get ready. Hello there, everybody, and welcome to episode 32 of the Play to Win podcast. My name is Tyler. I am your host this week, and I'm joined, as always, by my awesome, amazing co-host and super tired co-host this week, Karen. What's going on? Yeah, I'm, I'm very tired. Uh, got a new job. So Yes, that, congratulations. Uh, thank you. That started yesterday. I now work 3 a.m. till 11.30 a.m., so I'm very tired right now and also very sore. <laughs> Yes, physically, just he, he's beat, but he's here. Yes. We're going to make it through this. We'll try and get through this as quickly as possible <laughs> as we possibly can, given the topics. That way we can get him in the bed and rested and all and stuff like that. <laughs> uh, remember, everyone, this is the Play to Win podcast, a show where we break down the week's biggest in gaming news through in-depth discussion. Uh, there are time steps in the description, as always, for you to bounce around, jump around, if you so choose, if you just want to hear a specific part of the conversation. You can go ahead and do that. Go check out our website, playtowingames.wordpress.com. It's a nice home for all our content. You can go check out all our stuff over there if you want. Um, you can also check out our stuff over on YouTube. If you're here already, just go ahead, go ahead, hit that subscribe button right now. Turn on the notification bell because you're already here. You might as well. You can go check out our videos and be notified of our videos as soon as they go live. Like the Marvel's Avengers, um, my opinion type thing that I did this week on uh, my thoughts, basically, on Square Enix's comments on Marvel's Avengers. We'll talk about that some this episode, more so just to get Kieran's thoughts on the matter, since I already did a whole video on it. Um, you can go ahead and check that out. Check out all our other reviews, previews, all our other video content, and other episodes of the podcast, if you have not already. And also, follow us over on social media, at Play2WinGame, on Twitter and Instagram, for updates on the show, and other little things that we may post over there on those platforms. With all that being said, all the housekeeping stuff out the way, we're going to preview the topics for this episode because we have a good amount of topics in this episode. Mm-hmm. This week, we will be talking about some more Blad. Oh, not more Blad. Huh, my words got all mixed <laughs> up because I mixed up two different B words here. Some <laughs> more bad times at Blizzard, uh, Square Enix's comments on Marvel's Avengers, like I already mentioned. And finally, our first real raw look at Elden Ring gameplay. Plus so much more that we're going to be talking about this episode. Before we get into all of that stuff, though, we have a couple of brief mentions to get into. So let's rattle these off real quickly. Number one here, Sakurai may not be done with the Smash franchise. He's said in a Famitsu column that he's been doing for a while. It's actually his last one. He said it was the last one he's doing. Um, He said that he's not thinking of a sequel right now for Smash Ultimate, but he just can't imagine the series without him, to be honest. And honestly, it's hard for us to imagine it without him as well. Yep. Um, take two, they had some financial stuff come out this week. They canceled an unannounced game from Hangar 13, the developers of Mafia 3. And this cancellation, it cost them $53 million. Uh, but no one is reportedly being laid off, according to Jason Schreier. There are reports out there about what this game um, might have been. Apparently, it was like some it's supposed to be like a Destiny-esque type of game, I think. Um but no one's being laid off. And apparently like about 200 people are affected by the game being canceled over there. Hangar 13. So it's really good that no one is reportedly being laid off over there. Yes. Um, Take two is also planning to release over 60 games between 2022 and 2024. And they also announced that midnight suns, the fur, the fire access or fur access, however you pronounce the studio's name, um, their Marvel game that's coming out next year. It's been delayed to the second half of 2022. So delayed from its previously announced March release date, I believe is what it had before. It was either March or April, one of the two. 
Um, we got a bit of news on Halo Infinite's battle pass this week, thanks to IGN's, uh, you know, the IGN first coverage that they're doing for the game uh, this uh, this month, I believe. I think it's the whole month yes. that they're doing it. Uh, the battle pass it's going to cost ten dollars per season, so we know that now. Uh, they already released some other information about Halo Infinite this week. If you want to find out all about it, go over to IGN, go check it out. Uh, speaking about more Microsoft stuff, November's Game Pass editions have been announced, or at least some of them have been announced so far, because I know sometimes they like drop some more partway to yeah. the month. Uh, Minecraft Java and Bedrock edition is coming to PC on November 2nd, already out there if you're listening to this now. Unpacking and It Takes Two also dropped as well. Those are coming to cloud, console, and PC. I definitely want to play Unpacking. I've heard a lot of good things about it, and I remember hearing about it over the summer during, I believe it was Wholesome Games. I was like, that looks cool. So I definitely want to jump on that. And it takes two as well, if at all possible. Um, Kill It With Fire, that has also come to cloud console and PC as of November 4th. And then we have Football Manager 2022 PC and then the Xbox edition um, coming to cloud console and PC on November 9th. So the day after this episode goes live, Forza Horizon 5, of course, comes on the 9th to mm-hmm. all cloud console and PC. I'm very much looking forward to that. I'm just going to get the physical version, but looking forward to that um gca san andreas definitive edition also coming to um console only for game pass on the 11th and the same day the 11th on console and pc we're getting one step from eden so a lot of good stuff coming to game pass this month as of now yeah um Um, yes just want to chime in real quick and say congratulations to playground games for getting the scores they did with forza horizon 5 Yes, they've gotten some amazing scores, surprising scores, to be quite honest. Um, I don't think I was expecting perfect scores at yeah. all, but um, hey, it, I'm looking forward to this game. I am still iffy on if I'm going to review it. I think I'm leaning towards, yes, I'm going to review. I've been going back and forth about this for the past couple of weeks, but I think I'm going to review that game. We'll see. Yeah. Um, id Software is hiring for a, quote, long-running iconic action FPS, end quote. And uh, many are theorizing that maybe this is the return of Quake. Who knows? Yeah. We'll have to wait and see, to be honest. Um, Roblox was down for multiple days, and some fans blamed Chipotle. Do I know why? No, I did not read into it that much, but mm-hmm. I know that they were blaming Chipotle for it. Chipotle was not at fault, but they blamed Chipotle. Um, Netflix gaming is now available in the U.S. on Android only. iOS is coming in the future. They have five games available as of right now, but the standouts are these two Stranger Things games. The other three games there, not really anything to mention or talk about moving on um harry potter wizards unite uh the ar mobile niantic game that was like in the same vein as pokemon go that's getting shut down on january 31st 2022 sad face sorry to anyone that liked that game um ubisoft's employee group that they have over here um not over here over there um, they have started a petition for people to sign in support of them and their demands. It's an open petition. So if you go over um, to the Twitter page or if you find any article, I'm sure articles will have it linked. You can go over to their page. They have it up there. You can just go ahead and sign the petition. Uh, yes. Uh, two things. One, I have signed it. And two, I will put a link in the description of this podcast so people can go and sign that as well. Thank you. Thank you very much, Karen. Um Final few right here. The Nintendo Switch N64 controllers are sold out until 2022. Sorry to anybody who wanted them. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to wait a minute to get them. Um, Devolver Digital has gone public as of this week. So they are now publicly traded company on the stock market. Um, they have acquired two more studios and Sony has invested in them. So I don't remember. I believe Sony only invested like 5%. They invested like a small amount in them. Yeah. 
But um, Sony has invested in Devolver, so congratulations to Devolver. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sony is also investing in other big things as well because they are airlifting PS5 stock into the UK using three Boeing 747 jets. Um, and I saw this, I was just like, wow. And someone posted on Twitter, I believe it was Shinobi, uh, I believe 0642. Uh, if you follow anyone in the gaming, like gaming industry, games, media, stuff like that, you've probably seen his tweets. He tweets like nice photo mode shots on a bunch of different games and stuff. Uh, he tweeted a gift saying scalpers right now. <laughs> and it was, um, a gif of the scene from the beginning of Dark Knight Rises where the, the, the guys are like, Bane's people are like blowing mm-hmm. up the plane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> tweeted that and i was just like yep that that's gonna be scalpers mm-hmm. um and then the final brief mention here this literally happened last night night before we recorded this final fantasy 14 they uh they do occasional like letters from the developer uh where they do like basically a lengthy stream talking about new updates and features for the game and so on and so forth they've been doing a bunch of them for Endwalker, which is the next expansion they did one last night for the game and during this during this um stream the games director, Yoshi P, I don't know what the P stands for, but Yoshi, Yoshida-san, he, uh, he basically announced that the game, that the expansion in Walker is being delayed two weeks. Early access is starting December 3rd, as of now, and the full release will now be December 7th. Here's the thing. He announced this, but when he announced it, he was like tearing up, like genuinely crying because he felt so bad that he had to delay the game two weeks because he knows the community is really excited for this expansion. They really want it. They've been waiting a while. And he felt so bad. It felt like he was letting the community down so much and is so passionate about this, this two-week delay that he was just moved to tears. And I saw so many people online on Twitter just like, sending so many so much emotion and supports him that was like no no <laughs> all of us wiping our like computers with tissues like no no it's okay it's okay it's two weeks it's only two weeks you don't need to do this you don't need to cry it's okay <laughs> we understand do what you got to do take your yeah. time and all and i'm not in the 14 community at all never played it i've wanted to play it for a long time i just don't have the time to commit to a game like that but um seeing all the posts and then a review when you read his like his actual um the real letter that he put out basically saying the um the delay and everything you read the letter you can just tell the passion that this man has for this game and this community it, it's palpable you can feel it mm. and i felt it and got like genuinely emotional on the inside i was just like wow you are making me want to play 14 right now because I can tell just how much this means to you and just how much this matters to you and how much it hurts for you to do this, even though it's only two weeks. We understand. Yeah. So I, I, I like that. It's a little brief mention. I know I've said a little bit more about it, but like all that context really matters for this final brief mention. Uh, it's a nice little silver lining right there. Nice little yeah. piece of warm, heartwarming news right there as a nice brief mention. And that was our final brief mention of the episode. So now we're going to get into some real news. So we're going to start this episode off talking about uh, some more not so great news over at Blizzard. It's not like terrible, terrible news like we've been hearing about for a while now. But what we're hearing this week, it's not that great. First off is that Jen O'Neill, one of the new people who has been put to, who was put to be a co-leader of Blizzard alongside Mikey Barr. She has now stepped down from her co-leader position at Blizzard just a couple months after being put into the position. 
Now, she's put out a full statement. The full statement is over on Blizzard's website. It's a pretty lengthy statement. I'm not going to read the whole statement. I'm just going to read one little paragraph from it. The st- paragraph where she basically says, I'm stepping away. Yeah. So reading from her statement, she says here, quote, I want you to hear from me personally that I have made the decision to step away from co-leading Blizzard Entertainment and will transition to a new position before departing ABK at the end of the year. Effective immediately, Mikey Barr will lead Blizzard. I am doing this not because I am without hope for Blizzard, quite the opposite. I'm inspired by the passion of everyone here, working towards meaningful, lasting change with their whole hearts. This energy has inspired me to step out and explore how I can do more to have games and diversity intersect and hopefully make a broader industry impact that will benefit Blizzard and other studios as well. While I am not totally sure what form that will take, I am excited to embark on a new journey to find out, end quote. Now, Karen, I, I saw when, when I saw this statement, I was just like, so now Blizzard's run by a man again, mm-hmm. <laughs> by a singular man. Yep. And not to say that he's like, not to say anyone could have predicted this, not to say that Mikey Barr would be bad in the position at all, or that it's a bad thing that he is, but it, it's just like, we're back at square one. Yep. <laughs> we're kind of back at square one right here. It is not good optics. That's not a good look at all in any way shape or form and i saw some other people saying oh man like they some people kind of saw this as maybe just like pr fluff like jen is kind of saying oh yeah no like it's not i'm not leaving because of blizzard i'm leaving to do good things because blizzard has inspired me to do good things but i saw some people saying look at that be like "Uh, maybe she's leaving because she sees the ship is like going down and she's trying to get out what is your take on it I mean, I can see it from both sides. I can see, like, there's that part of my skeptical brain where I'm like, yeah, she's stepping down because Blizzard Blizzard is the Titanic and this whole situation is the iceberg and it's going to sink. Or I can see the other side of it as well, where it's like, you know, no one's forcing her to stay in that position and she wants to leave to go and pursue, I don't want to say better opportunities, but have a broader focus on having an impact in the gaming industry, then I, I salute her. That's, that's, that's a good decision, but you know, I can see it from both sides. I think I'm leaning more towards the side of just, she's leaving because she wants to, and not because, you know, she's being forced to or blizzard sinking or whatnot. Yeah. That, that's the side I'm leaning to. I'm thinking that this is like, she genuinely feels like, you know what? I, I really believe that I can do more good for the industry as a whole yeah. if I remove myself from Blizzard and actually make put all my energy towards bettering the industry as a whole itself. Um, when you look at her full statement here, there's a paragraph in it um, just beforehand where she says here, um, quote, on a micro level, as I've listened to the stories from people all over Blizzard, and been inspired by the courage and conviction, I've been thinking about the potential of what I can do as an individual to create the most meaningful change. For the last 20 years of my career, I have loved developing games. They are my lifeblood. I also have been fortunate to find my passion and voice in the diversity, equity, and inclusion space along the way, end quote. So like you read that there and like you can you can kind of tell that like she's, she's being serious about it. She's not, yeah. I don't think that she's just like saying this to try and, paint Activision Blizzard in a good light in a way. Like, I yeah. think she genuinely is like, you know what? Like, I've been here. and I've seen that, like, 
things at Blizzard have been real bad. (laughs) And I've been exposed to just how bad things have been just in the past couple months. And I really think that I, I can just do more good for a whole lot of people by you know, trying to better the industry as a whole with my own initiatives, with my own yeah. startups, whatever the case may be, and all like that. Now, at at the same time, part of me does kind of think that she's trying to get out the sinking ship that is Blizzard. Mm-hmm. Um, but I again, I don't think that that is like the main route here. Yeah. I don't think that's the main um, goal, the main push behind any of this. If anything, I think that's just like, like subcategory A of subsection two of you know the reason as yeah. to why she's leaving. Like it yeah. Like I, I think both things are true, but one is far more true than the other. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's why I follow it as well as like, you know, th- there could be any number of reasons why why she's leaving. It doesn't necessarily have to be because blizzard blizzard's sinking. Right. And she has said that um Although she's leaving um, the position, well, although she's leaving the company and that she has stepped down for this position, uh, while she is still there, she is going to be transitioning into a different role where she's still going to be working closely with the company, but she's also going to be working alongside um, the Women in Games International, that um, that organization. Yeah. And she's going to be working alongside them to, I'm reading here from her, um, from her statement, uh, because she has a $1 million grant right that abk okay. is going to be um going to be making to to the women in games international mm. and she's going to be working closely with both of them to determine like how that grant's going to be utilized yeah. and what it exactly is going to entail and stuff so before she leaves she's going to be doing that and then once she's gone she's gone and she's going to be moving on to try and actually better the industry as a whole and so, you know all the props to her i definitely wish her the best and I sincerely hope that, uh, you know, that Mikey Barr is able to effectively lead Blizzard and help steer it in the right direction and bring it the change that it actually needs and all. Yeah, exactly. But that's not all that's going on at Blizzard that's, you know, not so great. Um, Overwatch 2 and Diablo 4 have both been delayed as well. This news came, um, I believe Blizzard had a... Uh, yeah, they had an investor presentation this week. Um, and I'm reading from Polygon here. Polygon article by Michael McWhorter. I hope I pronounced your last name correct, sir. Uh, saying here, Overwatch 2 and Diablo 4 have been delayed. Blizzard Entertainment announced Tuesday. And those highly anticipated sequels may not be released until 2023, based on comments made during an Activision Blizzard investor presentation. Um. So Activision Blizzard has a statement here saying, quote, while we are still planning to deliver a substantial amount of content from Blizzard next year, we are now planning for a later launch for Overwatch 2 and Diablo 4 than originally envisaged. These are two of the most eagerly anticipated titles in the industry, and our teams have made great strides toward completion in recent quarters. But we believe giving the team some extra time to complete production and continue growing their creative resources to support the titles after launch will ensure that these releases delight and engage their communities for many years into the future end quote now karen both these games were announced a long time ago mm-hmm. a long time ago and even when they were announced we all kind of figured they they you know blizzard games come out on their own schedule they'll come when they come you can't predict when they're going to come out 
But at this point now, about two years later, two, three years later from when they've been announced, and given everything that's been going on with Blizzard, given everything we know about both of these games, how do you feel about these delays? I mean, I'm, I think I've said it enough times about enough games, but like just take all the time you need to make a fully functional working game at release and not a half-broken mess. Cyberpunk, basically. Right. Kind of started this. Didn't start, but kind of put further emphasis on the like, just make a game that works. Right. So, I mean, it kind of doesn't surprise me considering we still have seen, well, we've seen almost nothing from Diablo 4. Kind we've of. Seen some, we, yeah, we've I mean, seen a fair amount of gameplay, like a fair amount for what, mm. for like, for when we saw that stuff. We saw, I think we saw like a good amount of gameplay for when we saw it. It's been quiet yeah, since then, but yeah. when we first saw it, we saw a good amount of gameplay, I think. Yeah, okay. That's that's fair. Um, and then we, we've seen some stuff for Overwatch 2. They've shown like a bunch of maps and they've had like people do like an hour-long run-through of a mission. So right. like, I mean... And then seen- like the Overwatch League Season 2 is going to be using like an early build of Overwatch 2 when yeah. it starts next year. Yeah. So, I mean, we've... Yeah, we've seen, we've seen stuff from both of these games. So... I don't think they didn't announce that because they announced it and then they delayed it, but they didn't give a release date for the delay. So I'm like, did you need to say they've been delayed again? Because you didn't tell us when they were coming out. Well, I mean, for investors, because investors were expecting the games to come out yeah. next year. So they were saying like, hey, like the, the money we were thought we were going to get from these games next year, it's not happening. We thought we were going to get a financial push from them next year. It's not happening. Yeah. So expect them like two years from now. Expect all that money to come in two years from now. So they got to say that much. Um, but I mean, I guess I'm more so kind of wondering, like the games are delayed again. They're probably not coming out until 2023 at the earliest, right? Yeah. So about a year, a year and a half, let's say two years from now, right? We, what is your excitement level for either of these games? Because I mean, I'm not a Diablo person, so my excitement for level for that is like non-existent. But Overwatch 2, I like Overwatch. Am I the biggest Overwatch fan? No, but I do enjoy the game. And when it was first announced, I'm like, okay, cool. Overwatch 2, we got a campaign. We're going to get new characters. And then, you know, they said that Overwatch 2 and the like all the maps and characters of Overwatch 2 will still work in Overwatch 1. And Overwatch 1 is going to be adapted as well to Overwatch 2 with the 5v5 um, mm-hmm. player count and stuff. And so the only new thing really coming to Overwatch 2 is the campaign. And now we're in the space where live service games have really come into a whole, you know, new level of prevalence since yeah. Overwatch first came out. And Overwatch has kind of been just kind of, I don't want to say left to die, but like left on its own ever since Echo got revealed and dropped yeah. last year. And they were like, yeah, no new characters are coming after Echo until Overwatch 2. Well, Overwatch 2 is not coming out for possibly for another two years, which means the game will be without new characters or any new substantial content really for three years. Like, and with all this stuff and everything, I'm just like, okay, I kind of don't care about Overwatch 2 right now. Like, I can't be excited. <laughs> I can't be excited for it because I keep thinking about it. I'm just like, what makes Overwatch 2 Overwatch 2? Like, yeah. why isn't it just like, just a, a major expansion for Overwatch 1? Because I mean, that's basically what it is. It's a paid one. But like, why isn't it like in this day and age where live service games are taking prevalence? Overwatch could have been at the forefront of that. 
Yeah. And it could, it like, could have like adapted to it like many other games have. So that's why I'm like, I'm, I'm just like, uh, okay. I'm, my assignment for Overwatch 2 has definitely like gone down a whole lot from when it was first announced. I'm just like, it'll be here when it's here, I guess. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's been the argument for a long time about Overwatch 2 is like, why isn't it just, just, I mean, even if it's like a paid expansion for Overwatch 1, rather than charging us for an entire new game, why not just release like the campaign at like $20, $25? Cause that would, I think people are going to be hesitant to buy Overwatch 2 for, I mean, obviously because of the whole lawsuit and like there's people like me who like, I'm not giving Blizzard any more money until I see that they've implemented actual change. But there's also going to be people who are like, you know, didn't like Overwatch 1 or are Mm -hmm. quite angry at Blizzard for making Overwatch 2, I would imagine, probably a $40 or $50 game because Overwatch 1 was... I I thought it was a full... I thought it was a full 60 at some point. I thought it was. Maybe. I, I I can't remember exactly the price it launched at. I'm sure it was around about maybe 40 or 50 pounds in the UK. I can't remember. But like, I don't think that Overwatch 2 warrant, or I don't think Overwatch warrants a sequel. I think you just continue, because I mean, yes, you had like, for example, Destiny 1, and then they came out with Destiny 2. But they're like, we're probably not going to make a Destiny 3. Like, we're just going to keep updating Destiny 2 with paid expansions and seasonal content and whatnot. So, like, I feel like that would have been a much better route to go with Overwatch rather than yeah. being like, hey, we're going to charge you maybe $70 for a new game that basically is just going to introduce new maps that we could have added to Overwatch 1, new characters we could have added to Overwatch 1, new game mode could have added to Like, there's just so much about it that... Not, not that we could have, that we are. <laughs> We still yeah. are. Yeah. I guess, but I mean, I... I Where everything that's coming to Overwatch 2 is coming to Overwatch 1 except the campaign. That we know of as of right now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, basically you're, you're paying $70 for a campaign, which other games are doing. Don't think Overwatch needed to. It's, it's just so weird because it's in a place where... Like, the, the game itself just could be a live service game. The first one could be a yeah. live service game. And the second one is not really adding anything substantial onto that aside from the campaign because it's again like yeah. we keep saying they're adding a campaign, but everything else is going to be added to Overwatch One too. So it's just so different. It's not like Destiny One to Destiny Two where it's like, all right, we're getting a new campaign for Destiny Two, but Destiny One is still going to get all the new subclasses and everything. Yeah. It's just like different stories. This is just a weird mm-hmm. situation with its end where it should just be Overwatch One. And just keep building on to it and so on and so forth. Yeah. But yeah, those are delayed. I'm kind of just like, uh, I'll be excited when I see enough to actually get me excited. As of right now, I'm just like, uh, okay, it'll be here when it's here. Now, another company that is also not, it's not necessarily bad stuff coming out of them, but like they're saying things about one of their games that has people just like, ooh, Uh, Square Enix. They have officially called Marvel's Avengers disappointing. Uh, and people kind of like, I saw some people saying, oh man, Square is throwing Crystal Dynamics under the bus here. How could they do that? But that's, I mean, I don't think that's what's happening at all. Now, I did a full video on this topic yesterday. Um, I don't know if Karen saw it. I don't know, Karen, if you um, read about the story or anything like that. Um, kind but of. essentially, so essentially, uh, Square Enix, they put out their annual report, 
and company president Yosuke Matsuda. He uh, he had a little section just like talking about like all the different games that they've yeah. come out with in the past year, financial stuff, so on and so forth. And in a section he talked about Marvel's Avengers. So I'll just read that section real quickly, and then I kind of want to get your thoughts on everything. Mm-hmm. So he says here, quote, I would also note that Marvel's Avengers was an ambitious title for us and that we took on the games as a service model. We overcame a variety of unexpected difficulties in the final phase of the game's development, including needing to transition to work from home due to the pandemic. We were able to surmount these challenges and release the game, but it has unfortunately not proven as successful as we would have liked. Nonetheless, taking on the games as a service model highlighted issues that we are likely to face in future game development efforts, such as the need to select game designs that mesh with the unique attributes and tastes of our studios and development teams. Sorry for the motorcycle, everybody. (laughs) Um, While the new challenge that we tackle with this title produced a disappointing outcome, we are certain that the games as a service approach will grow in importance as gaming becomes more service-oriented. How we go about creating new experiences by incorporating this trend into our game design is a key question that we will need to answer going forward. Now, Kieran, Mm -hmm. after hearing that, after reading that, what what do you think of this? Marvel's Avengers, they said it is disappointing. The game has disappointed us with its outcome, but they've gone on to say, hey, we, you know, they, we we should have we should have put a different team on this. The team we had wasn't the right ones. Yeah. What do you think? I'm kind of with and against them on this. I I don't think it's unfair to call the game a, or to call the results of a game a disappointment because obviously they would have had like financial people come in beforehand and be like, this is how much we project it to make. This is how, much, how many people we project. That's how any video game is is funded. Basically, people come in, talk a bunch of numbers and they're like either okay or no. So I don't think it's unfair to call it a disappointment because obviously it didn't meet their expectations. I do think is is a little bit unfair to to put the blame or at least a part of the blame on Crystal, kind of because like they're, I mean, like they say in um, at, at some point during the um, the thing you have linked here, um, financial report. Yeah. I think if um, you want to if you want to find the page that it's on, it is on the page where. It's page what five of this. He's the only. It's literally just a picture of him sitting down. Yes, um, where basically he says that. Hang on, let me see if I can find it. There you go. It's just. I'll cut this better. Yeah. No. Yeah. It, it's fine. But basically, you know, he he's saying that um, real quickly. I'm reading it over right now. Here we go. Nonetheless, taking on the games as a service model highlighted issues that we are likely to face in future game development efforts, such as the need to select game designs that mesh with the unique attributes and taste of our studios and development teams. That's a section that we're that you're kind of referring to, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm talking, I can't remember who wrote it, but there's an IGN article that I read just very quickly before we started about this, where they say that um, Crystal might not have been the best team to work on it because they have made basically exclusive sing- exclusively single player games beforehand so right. like that's the part i kind of like agree with and disagree with it's like i don't think you should limit crystal to just doing single play single player games if they want to do something else but at the same time i think they might have needed a bit more time beforehand to really grasp the whole like 
online games as a service thing. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, obviously, they have done some things that people aren't happy about. They've done some things that I imagine Square maybe not so happy about, like, you know, not not getting enough people in to play their game, basically, because of the negative press that it got. But it is what it is. I mean, I, I don't think either Square or Crystal is entirely to blame. It's just people are going to play what they want to play in it. If, if you miss the nail, then it's not the end of the world. You can just try again. Yeah, two things. You need to focus your camera. Um, oh, sorry. Yeah, you got on focus when you got all up a close on it and stuff. But um, I actually, I never saw the quote where they like said, oh, that Crystal was not the best fit for the game. But here's the thing. It's like, it's not, that's not totally wrong. I don't think Square Enix is throwing um, Crystal no. under the bus because Square Enix, literally right here, as I said, they have acknowledged, yeah, we need to think better about what type of games we have our teams make and making sure that the game design meshes with their style and what they want to do and everything. And I said in my video that, you know, you want a team to be comfortable making with the game that they're making, not so comfortable where it's like, oh, this is easy. It's not interesting, but comfortable. Like we think we can reasonably do this. This is in our wheelhouse, not so uncomfortable with their game design that they're like, oh, this is completely out of the ordinary to us this is you know unknown this is a second completely different language we don't really understand this we're going to try and make it work the best we can which is seemingly what happened with avengers again crystal dynamics known for doing their more single player story oriented games marvel's avengers it seems like square enix was like we want a games as a service game we want it to be avengers that'll make us the money crystal dynamics you make this games as a service game it doesn't yeah. seem like crystal it doesn't seem like crystal dynamics said we want to make a games as a service game. It was more a decree from the top down on yeah. them, which is what they're saying here. We're just saying, yeah, we realized we messed up on this. We asked them to make a games as a service game as opposed to the other way around. And this is the result we got. Because as I've told before, and as, a, as many other people have said, the single player campaign, the main story for Avengers is actually really good. It's a, it's a great campaign. And it's worth $20, $25 or the game pass you know, fee of admission to get yeah. in and just do the single player campaign. Everything after that is where the game starts to fall apart is where it starts to be, you know, not good is where all the issues start to come into play and everything. Um, so if crystal was allowed to just do a single player Avengers game, it would have been great. It would have been just fine. Look at guardians of the galaxy, guardians of the galaxy, Atlas Montreal, single player story and bam, it is the critical darling. Maybe mm-hmm. Many people are really enjoying it, saying it's one of the best stories of the year, easily. And that could have been the case last year when Avengers came out, if Square Enix didn't force on them a games-as-a-service model for Avengers. So it's like, I, I hope that Avengers is able to recover from this yeah. and all, and I hope it's able to become a bigger game. But, you know, I do wonder, as I said in my video, I wonder, what is the future of Avengers? After Spider-Man drops, which Crystal did announce, the Spider-Man, the Ulysses Claw raid, and a bunch of other like uh, quality of life features and stuff that they had on their roadmap, all drops the end of this month on November 30th. We still haven't seen it for Spider-Man, though. There's yeah. actually there's an image online of um, like the, the character menu and stuff. Mm-hmm. Where, well, the menu for a character, where, like you're in their gear menu and everything. Mm-hmm. And when you're in that, like the character is sitting next to their gear. Um, so there's a picture online of like, a of like a pop-up window 
right over that over that page <laughs> but spider-man is like in the background so you can see his face and his feet for his character model but nothing else so it's like the closest glimpse we have okay. to seeing spider-man officially as of yet um so we still have yet to officially see him but i mean that's coming to end of this month the crystal dynamics they walked back the paid experience boosters that they added um not too long ago back when the game first joined game pass they walked that back they took it out but we don't know really like the long-term roadmap after this fall, this holiday season. Like, are there going to be more characters coming? How many more are going to be coming? What yeah. is the long-term plan from now? And I wonder if there is one, how much longer that does the game get supported before Square is just like, Crystal, do your thing. You don't got to do this anymore. Like, what the long-term yeah. game plan is here? That's going to be the bigger question with Avengers, honestly. Yeah, exactly. I, I want to quickly interject and just say that I got two things wrong, so my apologies. Uh, it was not an IGN article. It was a CBR.com article. And the quote that I read was not a quote from Square Enix. It was part of the article written by Brad Lang. Exactly. Uh, See, yeah, I, no yeah. one ever, no one in um, Square Enix ever said that. I saw many headlines yeah. saying that people saying that, oh, they were the wrong fit. It's just like, you're really, they never said that. No one ever said that they were the wrong fits. Gray is here taking the blame themselves, but pe- many people going back and forth on it. Yeah. Um, the actual quote from Brad Lang was let me find it. Mar- uh, quote Marvel's Avengers was developed by Crystal Dynamics, a studio largely experienced in developing single player games like Soul Reaver and several modern Tomb Raider titles. End quote. So, yes, not from Square, from a CBR.com article. There we go. So yeah, hopefully Marvel's Avengers is able to recover and you know actually be on a road to to like being at least a really good game that people enjoy. Yeah. Like the first Destiny eventually ended up being, although Destiny and its community are kind of always going back and forth between the game's great, it's bad, it's great, it sucks. So who uh, who knows? Who knows if Avengers will ever hit that level? All right, so Karen, we those two companies, you know, not great stuff. No. But one set of fans who are having a great week this week is the Elden Ring fans because Elden Ring gameplay, 19 minutes of gameplay was revealed this week in a nice lengthy look mm-hmm. from From Software. And I'm not a Souls person at all, but I thought this stuff looked pretty good. I thought it looked really good. What, what, did, you, what did you think? I really want to play this game. <laughs> I'm not going to. It's like... <laughs> I agree. It looks really, really good. Like the environments look gorgeous. The combat looks really good. I will say, like, it looks like a Souls game, which isn't a bad thing necessarily. Like the people who enjoy that kind of game, I assume are going to love this game because it has quite a lot in common with previous From Software games, which again, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but while I was watching it, I'm like, okay, so that's just, that's Souls. Okay, Souls, Souls. So and then just it was just basically twenty minutes of that, with some like new abilities added and which looked quite cool. But I really want to play this game, but I'm not going to. <laughs> yeah, it's like you know before we saw this gameplay, when we saw the very first the trailer we got over the summer, the first in-engine gameplay trailer. Yeah. Um, you know after that people were saying, all right, it looks like basically a culmination of everything from has done over the past like decade. Yeah. It's like it has. Dark Souls elements in there. We have uh, some Sekiro elements in there with like the stealthing around mm-hmm. and all. And then we have like, it's just blown up in this open world, this big yeah. expansive open world. Like 
this looks like it could I, I i guess you could say their magnum opus it looks like it could potentially be that like the culmination of all their work and all the things they've learned yeah as you know as they birthed this genre and built on it and made it even better and better and better with each and every game that they put out yeah so like i was i was genuinely impressed i was like wow like okay open like this looks cool like it, it looks it looks like again it's just taking souls and just blowing it up because i yeah. as far as i know Sekiro was a definitely i from what i understand a more linear souls game from the from software mm-hmm. whereas the dark souls games demon souls i believe bloodborne um they're more so they're not necessarily open world games they're the games are just like the world is, is interconnected yeah an interconnected world like you have your hub area but everything is kind of like you go down this way and it leads you to this where you go down this way it leads you to this section yeah whereas now we're just we're going full open world you go explore this however you want to and they said that there are dungeons like perfectly interconnected in the world like you're just exploring and you see that's the dungeon let me go on down there but it's not like i'm going down this route i'm going to go down this hallway which will lead me to this section of the game yeah. and all um i was actually very surprised by how big the world is too when they pulled up that map and you just see it's just like mm-hmm. there was a lot there is way more than i thought it was going to be i'm genuinely curious how this game is going to run on last gen consoles i imagine series x and ps4 pro it'll be fine ps4 and base xbox one i do kind of wonder like how huh, i wonder how good it's going to be yeah. on there um it is from software so i imagine that they'll be fine with it but um this game is looking like it's going to be a showpiece for PC and next-gen consoles, for yeah. sure. The gameplay, like, the combat looks cool. The The world looks really interesting and just, oh, my gosh. It's, it's just so, so cool. And like you said, I want to play this game. I most likely will not, where if I yeah. do, it will be long after release. This is not a day one for me, unless Demon Souls, if I ever get to it, really, <laughs> like, hooks me and just, like, this is it. This is it. Yeah, um, I really, really like the look of that castle area they showed at the end. Yeah, I, yes. like, I, I think that was the most like standout kind of area for me. Um, mm-hmm. I will also say there are some creepy looking monsters in this game. Mm-hmm. For sure, I, I like how uh, the the pot, <laughs> the talking pot, yeah. is in the in that first show we saw over the summer. Like we saw the pot walking around and everything. So when I was watching the stream, you hear someone calling. I was like, oh, I wonder where the person is. And it goes into the pot. The pot starts talking. I'm like, the pot is a person? Yeah. The pot talks? What? <laughs> my name is Alexander. It's like, oh, my gosh, the pot's a bro. That's the bro pot right there. He's like, you just help me out of this real quick. Just whack him out. He's just like, ha, you gave me a good whack there, good sir. <laughs> <laughs> the pot's an, an 18th century English knight. Like, I was, I was like, oh, man, like, the from always has like good creature and character designs yeah. so that is not a surprise here and then seeing godric the gold at the end that boss fight and just mm-hmm. like he's has all the hands and he ends up using like the dragon head to shoot the flames and stuff like the game was like it's gonna be a tough one as per usual for souls games and all um we got crafting in here i don't know if that's new to souls games i think it is though no idea um I mean, just the, the fact that they called it out the way they did makes me think it's a new addition um, for the genre. Well, at least yeah. for games from from software, I should say. Um, 
but yeah, Elden Ring. Um, I mean, neither of us really has too much to say about this because neither of us really no. are Souls guys at all. But it, it, of course, in addition to it being a big thing that happened this week, it genuinely does look really cool, and it has me yeah. so much more interested in the game. And they said that we're going to be seeing more at a later date. We're going to be getting more info at a later date. I know that there are journalists and games media that are currently playing the technical preview test right now. Mm. Um, they were That's all they were able to say. They were able to say, I am playing it. When yeah. can you tell us about it? I can't tell you that. I can't <laughs> tell you when the embargo ends at all because that itself is under embargo. Yeah. So the, I, I, theoretically, we'll be hearing about this in the coming weeks, certainly. Yeah. Um, like what the game is actually like to play. And I imagine we'll be hearing a lot of great things. But uh, Elden Ring looks awesome, man. It looks really awesome. I'm very excited for it. As I'm very excited to hear about people playing it. And very excited to see people playing it. And to see more of this game. I do not think we'll ever play it, though. <laughs> and if I do, it'll be, not be for a very long time. But it looks amazing. Yeah, exactly. Um, one One thing that I do find kind of funny is this game is further out than Halo Infinite and we have seen more of this campaign than we have of that. That is a very funny detail. That is a very funny note. <laughs> Halo Infinite, it comes out in a month from the day this episode goes live. Yep. So this episode goes live on the 8th. It'll be a month from the day this episode goes live. But we have seen a nice, solid 20-minute chunk of Elden Ring. Mm-hmm. Although I might... Well, no. I was about to say, I guess you could say that about Halo, but Halo, that was what? nine minutes plus six minutes that comes out to 15 minutes yep. so we have seen more of this technically that is funny oh well i guess if you also include the cutscene trailers that we saw about the same mm-hmm. amount or it's had more halo side depending I, on how you want to like count things i i would only count gameplay because this was 19 minutes of gameplay okay so fair. Fair. If you want to do that, then fair. Totally, totally uh Elder Ring gets the win. Probably is gonna get the win for reviews too, but who knows? Yep. We'll see. Okay. So we 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 got the Elden Ring hype out of our systems. Let, let's kind of go back to a bit of some business talk. <laughs> this is a business heavy episode, this one. Yeah. Uh Microsoft and Sega earlier this week, they announced a gaming alliance, a, a gaming strategic alliance specifically. Um, Karen, what, before I get into this, what when you ha- when you saw that headline, what did you think? Like, just first thought you think? Uh, well, the, I read the first three words and was like, wait, hang on, because I saw Microsoft <laughs> and Sega, and I'm like, no, Xbox, come on. But <laughs> no, it's I'm I'm excited about it. I don't know how fruitful it's going to be but we'll, we'll we'll talk about that yeah so uh look at this IGN article from matt perslow sega and microsoft have announced that they have agreed to a quote strategic alliance that will see sega produce games built on microsoft's azure cloud platform i believe i pronounced that correctly you did uh, nice uh announced in a press release sega explained that the agreement is part of the company's super game initiative which aims to create, quote, new and innovative games with a focus on global online communities. Uh, Oops, I skipped past it. Here we go. Uh, There's a quote straight from the press release uh, from Sega themselves. This proposed alliance, well, sorry, quote, 
This proposed alliance represents Sega looking ahead and by working with Microsoft to anticipate such trends as they accelerate further in the future. The goal is to optimize development processes and continue to bring high quality experiences to players using Azure cloud technologies, end quote. Now, um, for those who don't know what Azure is actually, Matt here has a nice little thing here at the end saying, Azure is Microsoft's cloud computing service. It should be noted that Azure offers a variety of software platform and infrastructure services. And so Sega's use of Azure does not necessarily point to Sega working on games played in the cloud or a cloud gaming service. The cloud is being used for many aspects of game development, including AI. And so Sega and Microsoft's partnership has many potential outcomes. Now, when this headline broke, I saw a lot of people saying, oh my gosh, Microsoft's about to acquire Sega. It's about to happen. Oh my gosh. Or like just things in that realm. Yeah. Whereas when I read this, I was like, okay. So I read it. I was like, huh, I had to read it again. I had to read it a few times just to make sure I fully understood it. And once I, I was like, okay, like Matt says here, I was like, this is basically, or at least sounds very similar to the Microsoft Sony agreement that happened yeah. two years ago where they agree like, yeah, Sony was like, we're going to work together with you all to use your Azure cloud system. And this sounds like it's similar to that, except it seems like this has more, a bit more to it than Sony and Microsoft's did. Most Sony and Microsoft's agreement, I don't remember the specifics of it. The article is here, so I'll pull it up. Um, but if I remember correctly with that one, it was just about improving um, cloud gaming and streaming. Whereas um, my, the Sega and Microsoft one, it seems like they're more so like working together on this to try and like build a big game, to try and build, as yeah. they say, a super game of sorts. Uh, I mean, with all this talk of the metaverse and everything, it totally makes sense <laughs> that that is what's going to, that the, what the, you know, they're trying to build some type of super game that kind of goes in a new direction that focuses on global online communities, as they say. So I, I kind of wonder, what do you think this means for the future of Sega games? Because I saw some people online saying that, I mean, the, uh, everyone was speculating, of course, that maybe this means that we're getting more Sega games on Xbox platforms. Maybe this means that more Sega games or all Sega games will be built on Xbox first, you know, and like, like Xbox yeah. will be like their first development kit of sorts that they'll mm -hmm. work with. And then they'll make the other versions from there. Um, what, what do you think? I don't, I don't really know. Cause I mean, I mean, like, um, do, do, do. Matt. Matt, yes. Like Matt says in the article, it's like this could have any number of outcomes. So yeah. To me, it's it does sound like, you know, I mean, they say it themselves, they're going to be using the cloud or Microsoft's Azure cloud platform to assist with game development. It doesn't necessarily mean, again, like Matt says in here, that they are building a game for the cloud, because many things are you Azure can do many things. Um mm -hmm. so while I don't necessarily think that it's going to drastically, Sega isn't going to switch entirely from what they've done before. They're just incorporating their service into it, which right. I think will improve it. Actually, I I, I think mm -hmm. is going to is definitely going to have some benefit. It's going to take a little bit of time to get used to, and I don't think we're going to see the fruits of this 
kind of partnership at least for a few years. But right. I'm I'm excited. Yeah, I you know, I think it's just a I think it's a it's a low key I don't want to say low key. I think it's a generally uninteresting bit of like kind news of, yeah. business type partnerships that has a lot of people just like has all their eyes on it because it's Sega and Microsoft. There's already been a whole lot of rumors yeah. and theorizing about Microsoft acquiring Sega at some point in time. And this just kind of adds fuel to the fire of that. I yeah. think that's the biggest thing here. But like you said, I think it's just, you know, they're just going to be using Azure to help make their games. And they want to, mm-hmm. they're just looking for Microsoft's assistance, I guess, on building this super game that they're planning and all. Yeah. But just for a bit of fun, do you think that this kind of hints at an acquisition at some sort? Or do you think that this is a step towards an acquisition possibly happening in the future? Or do you think that, no, you don't think so. This is literally just what it is. It's just them partnering on this. It's not hinting at or implying at anything like in like two, three years. I don't think it's leading to an acquisition. I, I think it's going to lead to a stronger relationship between Xbox and Sega, and you might see more Sega games come to Game Pass, or you might see this like um, this like super game come to Game Pass day one. Mm. But I, I don't think you are going to see any headlines, at least anytime soon, that Microsoft is acquiring Sega for Xbox Game Studios. I don't, I don't think that's going to happen for a few years if ever yeah i i don't think so either i i think this is just what it is yeah but i will not be surprised though like you said that this is definitely going to be result in a closer relationship between the two companies because they'll be working more directly with each other so i wouldn't be surprised if we do end up hearing or if it does just end up happening sega acquired by microsoft would I be happy about that? Dear God, no. <laughs> but I would not be surprised if you end up hearing about that at yeah. some point in time. And I'm certainly not looking forward to even more months and years of rumors that Microsoft's acquiring Sega, Microsoft's yeah. acquiring Sega. The, the conversation's tired already. And this is just going to build on that. But that aside, um, I think this is cool. It's a cool announcement. Yeah. It's fine. They're working together, making this super game. Well, not working together to make a super game, but Sega's trying to build a super game with Microsoft's uh, Azure cloud platform and everything. And it's cool. It's cool. Good stuff for them. Now, our final bit of business-related news over here for this episode, and our final story of the episode is the Switch. We talked about the Switch a lot this year. Mm-hmm. We talked about it a whole lot last year when we were games and gaming. And we every, every time we talk about it, we talk about numbers, we always say the same thing. Switch the beast, switch the mm-hmm. juggernaut, so on and so forth. And I hate to bring that back up again. <laughs> switch is a beast and switch is a juggernaut. Nintendo dropped their financial information this week as well. And the Switch has sold almost 93 million consoles. Almost 93 million consoles. On its own, you might just think, okay, cool. That's a lot of consoles. Uh, that's a lot of plot, no switches out there and everything. But it it gets a bit more exciting and interesting when you now realize that 
according to Wikipedia's list of best-selling consoles here. Of course, it's Wikipedia. Trust it if you want to. Um, <laughs> the Switch is now one, two, three, four, five, six. It is the seventh best-selling console of all time. It has surpassed the PS3, which had 87.4 million. And it is just under the Wii at 101.63 million. And the Wii is just under the original PlayStation at 102.49 million. Karen, mm-hmm. when is the Wii going to surpass? I mean, not the Wii. When is the Switch going to surpass the Wii? I would imagine soon, right? Like, there's and just just to give you a bit of extra context on this, it hit the Switch hit this um nine this ninety two point wait what that that just said the number wrong. Sorry, the uh no yeah the ninety two point eight seven. It yeah. hit that ninety two point eight seven by selling. million Switches over the past six months. So over the past six months, 8.3 million Switches have been sold. And Nintendo is planning to produce 24 million consoles for the next, I believe, up until the end of March of this coming year. Um, They were initially planning 30 million, but production issues due to chip shortages caused that number to be chopped by 20%. So now they're expecting 24 million Switches to be produced between now in March of 2022. With that in mind, when do you think the Switch surpasses the Wii? I'm going to say like January. Do you think like, January they will surpass the Wii? Yeah, like I mean, put it this way. In the last, you said they sold 8 million in the last 6 months? 8.3 million in the last 6 months. If they sell like half of that in the next two or three months, they will have surpassed the weight. It's looking at how, one, well the Switch has been selling, and two, how long it has been selling for, because, I mean, last week or maybe the week before we we said that, or we talked about that the Switch was the best-selling console for, like, 33 months in a row, Uh which is insane. But, like, it's also the easiest to get of the three consoles that like people are buying right now, mm-hmm. the most readily available. So, yeah, I I have no doubt in my mind that I'll say January, February, but definitely before March. I mm-hmm. I'm going to say January too because the holidays is going to boost that number mm-hmm. up tremendously. I'm gonna I'm gonna hope January for them. And then right after that, it's the PlayStation. So, I mean, honestly, they could pass both of them at the same time. They really could. I mean, yeah. that, that might be a bit hopeful because that, that's you have to jump up basically 10 million consoles, essentially, in yeah. two months. That might be a bit hopeful right there. Very hopeful. Uh, again, because, you know, we're, it's, it's tough to get, you know, it's tough to buy consoles out here, even if the Switch is yeah. the more easier one to get. But... I mean, I could see it happening. And if it doesn't, yeah, ha- it doesn't happen for both in January, it's going to pass the Wii by January and the pass the PlayStation by February because they're <laughs> yeah. right behind each other. They are right yeah. there. Um, now, now, here's the thing. like Nintendo has also said that again. The Switch is only, as I said, in like the halfway point of its life cycle. Mm-hmm. So when, like, if that's the case, how much longer is the switch going to be going on? We'll talk about that in a bit. And 
with that in mind, just like, shoot, is it going to pass the PS4? When is it going to pass the PS4? Is it going to pass the PS4? Most likely it will, but when will that happen? Because the PS4 is at 16.6 million. Just above that is the Game Boy and Game Boy Color at 18, well, 118.69 million. And I'm sorry, I didn't mind for PlayStation 4. I might have said 16.6. I'm gonna re, I want to say 100% correct this time. PlayStation 4 is at 116.6 million. Game Boy and Game Boy Color is at 118.69 million. So, yet again, you pass one, you're right there about to pass the other. Like, when is it gonna pass those two? Basically, to, to become number one on this list, the Switch has to sell another. Eight and fifty-five is sixty-three. So the switch has to sell sixty-three million more units. Well we'll we'll say sixty-four just so it's a nice on top number. Yeah. But I am very confident the switch will do that. I am very I'm confident. yeah, I am too. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, you're fine. Um I mean if it's halfway through its life cycle and it's sold what 93 million we'll say i'll round up just for brevity's sake but 93 million consoles in five years is one a very very big achievement for nintendo and two a very strong indicator to me that the switch is absolutely going to surpass the ps2 and become the best-selling console of all time i don't think it's going to do it in the next six to ten months but i can see by probably november december next year either on the same level as the PS2 or maybe slightly below. You see, I I don't know. I don't know if it will. Because I I think it will definitely become number three. At the very least, it will become number three. The reason I'm not sure if it will surpass the PS2 is because under the PS2 was the DS. And the DS was strictly a handheld, right? Mm -hmm. Strictly a handheld. The last Nintendo console to be in this list is the Wii at 101. And that was around the, that, the Wii was the time when third parties kind of started bouncing off Nintendo. Like you, the Nintendo, the Wii was filled with shovelware games and any third party games that came to the, um, to the Wii that were like ports some other platforms of like major games were like, they were super ugly. <laughs> they had, yeah. they were like, reduced ports that like majorly reduced ports the wii u barely had any third-party support at all and the switch has gotten some fairly good third-party support and everything but the issue is going to come into play where the ps5 and the xbox series x are out now and as they become more readily available and as games start to be start to drop ps4 and xbox one generation and be ps5 and xbox series only then it becomes, a, again, the thing of, okay, is the Switch's popularity enough? Like, is that mobile? Because yeah. it's now a hybrid. It's not like, okay, when it was just handheld, like it was just dominated the handheld market. Now it's competing in that handheld and console space. Yeah. So it now has to, like, it has to stack up against the PS5 and the Series X. And I guess you could say PC as well, but sticking in the console realm, Xbox Series X and S and PC, yep. I mean, PS5. Once those are like the main only consoles, what's third party support going to look like on the Switch? At this point, now it's like, again, at that point, 
is a Switch Pro a thing? Is the Switch Pro out? And if so, is that the next gen Switch or is that just still in the mainline Switch family that we're in right now? If so, and if it's powerful enough, then I could see the Switch for sure getting up to like surpassing the, P- the DS. Maybe, maybe. It depends on what third party yeah. support ends up looking like for the Switch by then. Because I mean, right now, yeah, there's third party support on it, but it's nowhere near like as prevalent. It's not like the level of third party support that's like, you know, PS5, that the PlayStation Xbox have at all. But it's yeah. good. It's reasonably good for a Nintendo platform. Better than it has been for the past two generations, to say the very least. Yeah. Um, but again, once these new once these new generation consoles become more readily available, and once their games are only being developed for them, and they drop PS4 and Xbox um, One, then you'll I you know it's going to be tough. People are going to be saying, "All right, do I want to get a Switch, or do I want to get one of these platforms instead that has way more games that I actually would want to play?" You know, it's going to be it's going to be tough. And I, I think that's what Nintendo is. I know I'm, I'm certain. I'm certain. Like Nintendo was like thinking about this in their boardrooms and everything yeah, and yeah. as oh, they, they plan out when their next console drops and all and what yeah. they want to do for the Switch in terms of games and so on and so forth in the next couple of years. So because of that, I don't know. I don't believe it will surpass the PS2. It's re- it's heavily dependent on if a Switch Pro, honestly, I think exists. If a Switch Pro exists and it's not a next-gen Switch, I think it can. But if a Switch Pro does not exist and we get a brand new platform, a brand new console or whatever it may be from Nintendo, I think the Switch gets close. I think it might hit like the 130s, but I don't think it surpasses the 154. Or yeah, the 154 because that's the Nintendo DS. I don't think it surpasses that. Yeah. Um, I mean, sorry, someone's at my door, I think. Um, yeah. I I, I kind of want to go off of something you said about the Switch Pro. I think Nintendo have to start being very careful because at some point, if they release a Switch Pro, Mike, stay there. If they <laughs> release a Switch Pro and it's a another entry into this line of Switches and not a next-gen console, I think there's going to be a strong argument of like Nintendo. You have to either you have to either release a next gen console or you have to stop releasing switches because at that point you're going to have you will have had four four switches in that generation of console, which I think is a bit much. I think it's like because at that point, you know, I mean, if it's, you. Sorry, I mean, you look at the Game Boy. You have the Game Boy Advance, right? Mm-hmm. Game Boy Advance SP, Game Boy Advance Micro. That You had those three for sure. I think there might have been like another one or two, I think. But then you had the, the DS, which is the DS, the DS Lite, the DSi, the 2DS, mm-hmm. 2DS XL. The, I think that was there a DS XL or no? There was a if DS not, XL. There was? I'm... F- there was a 3DS XL, I know that much, but I don't think there was a regular DS XL. There was a DS, DS Lite, DSi, and the 2DS. There was a DSi XL. DSi XL, so five. So it's five right there, just yeah. for the DS family. It's not out the ordinary for Nintendo to drop multiple versions of one platform. No, no, I, I'm, 
not saying it's out of the ordinary. I have the same. I would have the same. I have the same issue actually with the DS and the Game Boy. It's like I think there's too many of them. It's like I, I'm fine with PlayStation and Xbox because they do or they did last gen one mid or I suppose Xbox did two, but they did like one mid gen refresh, right? Uh-huh. Where it was the PS4 Pro and the Xbox One X and the Xbox One S, which I'm fine with. It's not a huge amount of consoles in one lineup. I have I have an issue with it with I'm not trying to pick on Nintendo but like I'm not upgrading my Switch. I am perfectly happy playing my Switch and at some point people are going to have the vast majority of people who want a Switch will have a Switch. So at that point I think it's a question of like is it enough of a significant upgrade to boost sales that significantly to surpass the PS2. Yes. Or or or, or on the same level, I'll round about there. So like I'm gonna I'm gonna say yes. And the reason being, because as we've already seen with some Switch games now, some Switch games have are struggling on the on the current Switch. Yeah. Which is why people have been asking for a Switch Pro for a while. They've been warning Nintendo to drop it. And it you know it hasn't happened. And as the years go on, as more games, again, come on out for other consoles that don't come here, people will be like, hey, can we get a Switch Pro so we can get a port of that game over here? Can we get a Switch Pro so that my, our games over here run better? Because, yeah. I mean, apparently Super Mario 3D World, the most recent one, and Bowser's Fury, that's how, that was having frame rate problems on the current Switch. Hyrule Warriors, Age of Calamity, that one's having frame rate problems on the current Switch. Which, you know, if their Switch Pro was a thing, probably wouldn't. Or it would at least alleviate a lot of those issues. So a Switch Pro, most many people would most definitely buy it. A hundred percent they would. And that again, that would most definitely extend the life of the console. But I think they also run into the issue of if they bring in a Switch Pro with all these issues that I just mentioned, at some point. You, when you have a Switch Pro, you then have to develop games to make sure that they run on the base Switch and the Switch yeah. Pro. And if the base Switch is having issues now, I can only imagine like what type of compromises would have to be made for games to be able to run on a Switch on a regular Switch and the Switch Pro. Yeah. And at that point, you're also kind of not just to be able to run, but also like design compromises in terms of we can't do this because it has to run the base Switch, so we can't do this feature. It could run on Switch Pro, but it can't do it's like a poor experience of the base switch. So the Switch Pro, it's a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing in the sense that it will most definitely, if it is just then like a mid-gen refresh, of course, if that's what we're imagining a Switch Pro is, it will run games better, it'll boost sales most certainly. But then again, they end up kind of in a situation where, like, I'm sure. Some games will probably end up being exclusive to a Switch Pro, or they might end up saying a lot of these games will need to be exclusive to Switch Pro in order to even run. Yeah. And you split the user base. And I imagine they don't want to do that. They kind of want to try to avoid that. You know, I mean, the, the, yeah. the 3DS came out, and then there was the new 3DS, which had Xenoblade Chronicles as a new 3DS-only game. You could not get that on the regular 3DS. I don't really even think that there were many other new 3DS exclusive games. I don't remember hearing about any at all. But 
if there were more, again, you automatically split the user base by doing that. And Nintendo is not going to want to do that. They're not no. going to want to, they're really not going to want to as much as they possibly can. So that's, that's why I'm, I'm not sure. If there is no Switch Pro, it's not going to happen. If there is a Switch Pro, it most definitely, they will boost their sales up a lot, but then they run into all their own issues and stuff. Yeah. So I can honestly just see them kind of maybe forsaking a Switch Pro and just doing a new console entirely. Yeah, and I just, the last thing I'll say on it is, I also think if they do a Switch Pro, then they, I don't think they would have to like, match the exact things that like the Series X, the PS5 can do. I don't think they would need like 120 frames a second. I don't think they yeah. would need anything like that. But I I would like to think that if they did if they did release a Switch Pro, it would be 4K, 60 frames a second, would have the ability to play HDR content and would Hopefully. have yeah and would have I don't want to say like a nicer UI because I actually quite like the Switch's UI, <laughs> but like a more impressive ui i'll say that a more visually interesting one yeah exactly <laughs> um i suppose well xbox could use that as well to be fair but <laughs> xbox <laughs> use a simpler one dear god that's <laughs> yeah. what they can use they could simplify the mess out of that ui so yeah i think that uh, i think there is an argument in there is like you if you do release a switch you kind of need it to be at least around about the same level of capability as the ps5 and series x yeah, at the very least. Or or at very least PS4 Pro and Xbox Series X. Yeah. At very least. Even if and even that would be underpowered, but still, like that's better than nothing. Yeah. Better than where it's currently at right now. Um yeah. you got anything else to say? So it was, I was more, blah. anything else to say? Because I wanted to move on through some of this other Nintendo stuff. Just get through it real quick. Uh no, I do not. Okay. Well, uh just a few other little Nintendo uh, Nintendo tidbits here. They also announced that Mario Kart 8 Deluxe has sold 38.74 million copies, surpassing Mario Kart Wii, which was the former, which was previously the best-selling um, Mario Kart game. Uh, Mario Kart Wii sold 37.38 million. So now Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is the best-selling one, and Mario Kart 9 is not coming for a very long time <laughs> because of this. Don't expect it anytime soon. Important to remember, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is a port of a Wii U game. And it has yeah. been there since day one of this console's release. <laughs> Insane. Insane. Yeah. Um, Nintendo did say also during, like, as part of its, like, investor financial stuff, that they, um, they will be investing more in their internal development teams and their relationship with consumers. So looking at this IGN article by uh, Jared Moore, who uh, kind of talks about this a bit. I'm not going to read the whole thing at all. I'm just going to skim on down to this one little section here um, where Nintendo notes like the money that they've been getting because Switch has been so successful, they have a whole lot of money. They could do a whole lot of things with this money. Yeah. So I'm reading from this one little section here that uh, Jared wrote here. He says, with money to invest, the company says that its mid to long term plan revolves around two broad areas, building software assets and developing ways to expand its relationship with consumers, where those software assets include games, Nintendo has stated that its, quote, first priority is to organically expand its own organization to continue Nintendo's creative culture, end quote. Despite a focus on developing, developing its pre-existing studios, the publisher didn't fully rule out the possibility of purchasing further companies in the future, explaining that it was, quote, not dismissing the possibility of mergers and acquisition activities, end quote. 
not a surprise. I mean, the most recent acquisition that Nintendo did was Next Level Games, who mainly we just mentioned three, but they're yeah. not really one to go out buying companies and stuff. They, they're just fine with their internal studios and everything like that. Yep. Um, they also did announce that they will improve Switch Online and Switch Online Plus Expansion Pack. How? We don't know. But we're going to do that. We'll, we'll work on it. We'll make it better. You know, we'll make it better and give new things for people and to make it a more exciting service. No more specifics than that, though. And um, again, like we already kind of talked about, they said that their new, their next gen console is like, it's some ways out. Like they're still thought, you know, like in the conceptual stages and everything. Like they're still talking about what it would be and so on and so forth, and like yeah. when it would come out. So, we're not going to hear about it for quite some time, which is not a surprise to anyone because the Switch is doing great. It's doing amazing. It is super successful. All the props to Nintendo for uh, for like how well it's been doing. I don't really play my Switch that often, but I do really enjoy the Little Beast. It is such a nice little cool console. It's yeah. like it's so nice. It's so cool to look at. Well, one thing I, I did want to say is like the will improve Switch Online and Switch Online plus expansion pack. All about how Nintendo were literally as vague as they possibly could be about that whole thing. It's like, hey, Nintendo, you going to improve it? Yes. <laughs> yeah, because like I read, like I looked at the article um, that like kind of talked about it. I was like, all right, what did they say? And like literally the quote, I've, I don't know a specific quote, but the quote was just like, we will improve it and add more services. It's just like... <laughs> Okay, anyone could have told me that was going to yeah. happen. <laughs> so, nothing really to add here. They will improve it. Yeah. Put that it's, in the doc. It's, ba- it's basically Nintendo going, you want to, we're going to improve it. Yeah, yeah, we'll, you, yeah we'll, we're going to do that thing. You'll do that thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we'll do that thing. We'll do that thing. How? Don't ask us. We'll, we'll figure that out. <laughs> Cross that bridge when we get to it. Okay, so that's all the news for this week. And now it's time to talk about what we have been playing, or more so what I have been playing. Because Karen didn't play anything this week. Nope. Not shaming him. Don't be mad at him. Don't shame <laughs> him. Don't throw stones and tomatoes at him. None of that. He's had a very busy week. Yeah. It's okay. Sometimes we don't really play anything. It's fine. It's all good. I will just quietly shame you off camera once we are done. <laughs> yeah. I will not. I will not do that. I'm not that type of person, people. <laughs> he will 100% um, do that. I won't do that. Don't believe <laughs> um, But I played Final Fantasy 13 this week. Played a tiny bit more. Um, for reference in terms of where I am in the story, I am now in the sewers on Eden, I believe is where I am. Um, we just fought, we, we fought Barthandalus. We did that boss fight. And then we you know we we're in our ship. We crashed. We're in the sewers in Eden. If I'm correct, that's where we are right now. Um, it's either there. I'm pretty. No, no, no. It's not there. It's after the sewers. After the sewers, you get to this space where um, it's like mechanical machines and stuff. We're inside a. Oh, I forgot what they call it. I think we're inside like a, inside like an ark or something. Mm-hmm. Basically, you find out like you're in a training facility. A, th- a a thing that's made to train the sea. It's built to train the sea to like fulfill their focus and stuff uh i'm kind of poorly explaining because i did that like on monday or tuesday and it's been <laughs> busier weeks since then um but yeah that's where i am in the story i'm able to like freely use people like switch up my party however i so choose now uh so yeah didn't play too much of that this week but i did finish death loop i finished it the day after we recorded our last podcast and um 
so here's here's my final thoughts on Deathloop, in a sense. A lot of what I said last week still stands. The game is fun. The powers are cool. Um, the It could be really easy. That you look like you needed to sneeze, but just like no, couldn't. I I moved like a millimeter, and a shoot of pain just went on my back. Oh boy, ow! Um, so like, yeah, the powers are cool. The gameplay is fun. Uncovering the mystery is cool. Um, level design is great. All that jazz. Um, the game was still very easy and all like that. There, there's a twist in the game story that. You can either find out very early on or late in the game. It depends on what, like how you approach leads. Yeah. And this twist comes if you approach one of the leads. I'm not going to say which one, but if you follow one of the leads, um, you'll uncover this twist pretty early on. I think it's better served if you find it out near the end of the game, though, because um, it's a pretty, it's a pretty big twist. Um, that before the game's release, I saw some people theorize this twist. So you find it when you find it, I was like, oh, okay, interesting. It kind of throws, it kind of changes, it throws certain things about the game and like certain dynamics and all into a new perspective. Makes you look at things a different way and all. And it like definitely affects the way you look at the story and all. Yeah. But the end of the game, I tweeted this out after I finished it on Twitter the game's story falls flat. What at the end, it just falls a hundred percent flat because up to the, up to the end of the game, like so many questions are raised, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're seeing, like, this isn't a spoiler throughout the game. Like when you're walking around, like words are appearing, like in the, in the world and stuff. Yeah. No explanation on that. Like that's a plot point that doesn't get explained. There's a number of other different plot points that don't get resolved and like that big twist you would expect to like be you would expect there to be more addressing of it and resolution for it Mm. at the end of the game but there's not there's three different endings for the game i didn't realize this when i first did it i found out afterwards um and i only got two of the endings i did two of them there's three of them in order to actually get the, the endings you like when you do when you finish the loop, like when you when you do the mission, right, mm-hmm. and you get to the end, you don't. You may or may not realize you have a choice. <laughs> so you do it, and you're like, "Oh, there was a choice." It's not like let me reload and just like go back to the beginning at that point. You have to do the loop again. Okay. So I mean, but I mean, at that point, you know what to do. So it should take you yeah. no more than like 15, 20 minutes to get back to that point and like do a different ending if you want to. It's not difficult at all. Um, but. Of the two endings I got, I will let me just call them like bad ending and good ending, I guess. Although, okay. I mean, there's three. I read up on what the third one is. And I think like only one of the, oh, okay, without really spoiling anything, one ending is doing the thing that you, that is your goal. Obviously, your goal is break yeah. the loop. One ending is break the loop. There are two other endings as well. And I think the break the loop ending is supposed to be seen as like the good ending kind okay. of sort of because it's accomplishing your goal. Like this yeah. is my mission, break the loop. Except it doesn't really seem like a good ending. <laughs> it, does, it doesn't really seem like it. And again, doesn't really resolve anything. Like the game ends and then we're like, 
credits. And it's just like, oh, okay. And then if you do one of the other endings, with the other ending I got, which I'll call bad ending, it's just like, okay, there's a bit of something here. I like this ending more than the other one, but still, like, we're not getting any real resolution for some of these mini plot points. Yeah. That were just brought up throughout the game, like, does not get resolved. It just ends. And that's not to say that, like, games can't end and leave breadcrumbs and leave mysteries and stuff like that and leave things for you to theorize. But in a game where literally just where a large number of your plot points have been like laid up for you and you're thinking, all right, there's all these mysteries. Let me solve these mysteries. You're expecting answers to them at the end and to get nothing. (laughs) It's just like, well, what the heck? That's disappointing. That's Mm. annoying. So I mean, after you after you finish the game, you're able to like you can either restart the game from the very beginning. So I don't know if it wipes your save data, but you can restart from fresh and like do the whole game again to uncover yeah. the loops, uncover the mystery, so on and so forth, all over again. Or you can just start a new day, start a new day, and just you know do whatever you want, try and get it as fast as you want, get other things that you might not have done beforehand. And when you do this, um, at least. I believe when you do this, the dialogue between Colt and Juliana kind of addresses the fact that you're doing the game again, or that that like that you have finished the game, that you have seen an ending and are doing stuff again. Yeah. I think it addresses it. Either that, or maybe the dialogue is just written in a way where it seems like it is, but they're really not. I'm not quite sure. But overall, I did like the game. I did enjoy it. I don't think it's a 10 out of 10. I don't think it's a game of the year. I think it's like a solid 8, 8.5. Which is still That's a good score. No, definitely. Definitely. I'm not saying yeah. it's not. It's definitely a great game. I just, I don't, I'm like, I, after playing, I'm like, those 10 out of 10s seem a bit interesting. Granted, I also never did anything as Juliana at all because I was just not interested in doing it at all. Yeah. I still have the game installed on my system. Um, I might play some more of it. I might do some of the Juliana stuff. I just, I just kind of don't have any interest in doing it, to be quite honest. But um, again, overall, it's a great game. It's a great game. Everyone should play it. When it comes to Game Pass next year, it'll be a fantastic addition to the service. Um, it's it's overall, it's a really great game. It's a really fun game. It just it has issues and problems that keep it from being like this perfect masterpiece that I've yeah. seen a lot of people say it is. So that's yeah. it. Do you got any questions, final questions for me on Deathloop? I don't think so. I mean, I, I feel like you've kind of explained everything in a way that you would have answered any question I had. Yeah, cool. And I hope I was vague enough about like why the ending kind of falls flat. I, I hope I, again, knowing the ending, I don't think I spoiled anything. Yeah. I, I don't think I did. Especially like me saying like, what ending is breakthrough? I mean, that's, that is your mission. I don't, I don't think I spoiled anything significant. I don't think I did. I hope I didn't. And if I did, I'm sorry. I, I, I am very conscious of spoilers. I try not to spoil things for people. Uh, I, I do have one thing to hint at, maybe. Um, okay. I might be playing my first ever Final Fantasy game soon. Ooh. Not saying which what? one. Uh, I'll, oh, I'll, I was I'll about to ask which after. one it is. Um, uh, okay, it, let, me, let me ask this. Is it a, is it a new one? 
New as in yes. Okay, okay. So okay, because I was gonna say like new as in released in the past like ten years. Yes. Yes. Ten is after twenty eleven. Yeah. Yes. I. I. Yeah. I'm. I mean, I'm trying. I'm trying to be vague because it might not happen depending on a thing, but. Oh wait! I think I know what you mean based on yeah. something you told me before the show. Yeah, I mean I don't know what you try to be vague for the viewers or me. <laughs> I mean I know which I know what game you mean then. Yeah, no, like no, I'm I'm trying to be vague in case the thing doesn't happen. I mean you you don't you don't been hinted at it for me now, so I mean my excitement's there because I'm pretty sure I know what game you're talking about, and I'm super excited for that. Yeah, uh, we'll talk well, about we'll, it more. Yeah, after. I was gonna say we'll we'll talk about it after, but yeah. Um, might be a thing happening, hopefully within the next month, and I will be. That's one of the games I'm I'm going to be picking up, maybe. Okay. All right. We'll see. We'll see. We'll talk about it after the show. That being said, though, that was going to wrap up episode 32 of the Place Win podcast. Thank you all so very much for watching and or listening. Um, remember to head over to our website, playtowingames.wordpress.com. Again, it's a home for all our content. Check it out. Uh, head over to YouTube. If you're already here, hit that subscribe button and hit the notification bell so you know when videos go live, the minute they go live, check out all of our content over here on YouTube. Uh, share with everyone, like, comment, all that stuff. It's greatly appreciated. Chat with us in the comments. Let us know your thoughts on everything we talked about this week. You know, We would love to talk with you guys about the topics that we talk yeah. about in the shows. You know, Interact with us. We're not, we're not monsters. We're not scary people. We're cool guys. So talk with us. Uh, you could also talk with us over on Twitter and Instagram at Play2WinGame. Uh, you know, just chat with us over there too. Follow us. It's where we post updates on the show. But again, talk with us over there. We're, we're very nice people that we like to talk with you all. So feel free to talk to us. You can also talk to us on our personal social media platforms. Karen, what is yours? Mine is at BadlyNet on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, B-A-D-L-Y-N-E-T-O, one word fantastic and you can follow me and talk to me over on twitter at tyler miller 2496 thank you all so very much for watching and listening to this episode and we hope to speak to you all again soon have a good one see you later i'll finger gun out <laughs>